Welcome to the PR Moment India podcast. We cover the evolution of PR from an Indian perspective. Listen in on the PR Moment website, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or wherever you catch your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button to catch the latest. Hello and welcome to the PR Moment India podcast. We are going to try something new from this month. We're going to have a regular feature which will discuss the implications of the major news in the PR industry every month. And uh, joining me for that every month will be Ben Smith, founder PR Moment. Welcome, Ben. Well, it's lovely to be here. Um, I don't know why we didn't start doing this years ago, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thank you, Ben. Before we kick off the discussion, I'd just like to give a quick shout out to the Healthcoms Awards participants. Uh, that's going to launch uh, with Hill and Norton this month, and uh, we look forward to uh, entries from that. Also, good luck to the 3030 participants and the Rise Up participants. They have their jury meetings coming up this month, so good luck to all those who entered. So to give you all a little bit of a background on the Indian PR sector, it's been growing at about 10% uh, according to the latest figures done by a PRCI survey. That's a little lower than what it was pre-COVID at about 14-15%. So let's go on and discuss what are the opportunities and challenges for PR ahead. Um, over to you, Ben. Well, it's, yes, really interesting time, isn't it, Paul? Because we've got, um, I mean, the big news as we kick off 2024, as I, I suppose from a, a global PR perspective, and clearly there is a, a an Indian um, story on that as well, uh, is the merger of, of BCW um, to uh, and Hill and Knowlton globally. Um, how, how has the Indian market responded to that merger? I guess what's the is there is there a feeling, or is it too early days in terms of um, what the the outcome of that might be? I think there there is very clearly uh, several sets of narratives. It, a lot of depends on where you are sitting at, but of course, uh, you know from from WPP's point of view, it is uh, cost ra- rationalization and creating one of the world's largest PR firms. In India, there are concerns about you know employees. Of course, are concerned because this is definitely not the first merger that BCW has happened in least recent years. Uh, we had that happening in two thousand eighteen, and now another big merger with them. With the with the merger with Hill and Knowlton, so there are definitely off the record employees are definitely con, con, you know they they're concerned about job loss of course yeah. uh, because WPP has not uh, they have said uh, they'll try to minimize it but they haven't said no there won't be any job loss and uh, it does lead to a bit of instability for the clients and the concerns about being lost in a large very large agency uh, they also concerns a little stifle uh, creativity. because uh, you know smaller firms are supposed to be more agile so so definitely a mixed bag of reactions uh, to the merger yes it's big news it does does upend the top 5 in india a little bit uh, but also apart from that there are concerns about job loss and creativity so right. a mixed bag of reactions well i think we're going to talk about the numbers a little bit later in the show aren't we but um, so i'll leave i'll leave that one for now i mean from oddly enough i interviewed scott wilson who's the emir um in charge of a mayor for 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 BCW um and now BCW including Hill and Knowlton as well but that's what I should uh, make really clear this was before any of this news right this was post the last merger for BCW when Burson um and Conan Wolf merged together um and it's actually it's quite interesting what you're saying there but it just just made me think back to that conversation that the the best mergers tend to happen quite quickly if you see what I mean if you're going to go for a merger you you've got to you can't hang about 
um, just for it, it's a it's a game of momentum. It, it, when you look at the most successful mergers that have happened, um, and PR firms predominantly you're merging a lot of people, right? Because that's that's the primary resource of of, of most public relations firms. So therefore, um, I would expect um, a fairly quick decisions. And you've already seen that from a, you know you start at the top and then move down, don't you? You've already seen a fair few changes. Um, at a management level globally, so I, I imagine that will be something that will um, will will continue to see over the next three, four, five, six months. Um, but I uh, it'll um, it, it'll I should think happen relatively fast. Um, uh, just going back to what you're saying about the, the reasons why, really. I mean, it's you know we don't know, do we? That's that's to be clear. This is speculation. But um, in any businesses, and this isn't, I don't think me having any great pr prior knowledge of things, but. Uh, to, to relative to the specifics of Helen Knowlton and BCW. But if, if a business is going really, really well, you tend to just let it get on with it itself, don't you? And 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 let it continue to on that growth path. It's rare that you you would merge two businesses together that are doing fantastically well. Um, and I think there's to be fair to both Helen Knowlton and BCW, there were pockets of success globally that you know what this weren't these weren't two firms that were were doing were doing particularly badly um certainly in the uk bcw was doing was doing quite well um as well as hill and knowlton um but the story i think is more about the us wasn't it by clearly the biggest pr market in the world by a long long way probably about 10 times the size of any other market um and both firms had not went they weren't doing awfully um but they weren't growing um they were being outgrown by some of their peers i suppose would be would, would be what the um uh, as a sort of um, observer of the market would suggest. Yeah, you're right, uh, Ben. Ben, how does the global market uh, view the view the merger in UK and US? Of course, you've laid out for us. Uh, that I, if I think were... pretty pretty much as I've just see, just said it. Um, it. It makes sense. It's clearly a part of a wider WP strategy of of simplifying their business. Um, you know, does it does it make sense for WPP to have um, so many? different firms doing quite similar things probably not um so that's been a a well-documented policy of simplification of the business which, which seems to make sense i think um but yeah there, there were two firms who were doing perfectly well but they weren't they weren't growing they weren't growing as quick as some of their peers um on the fact we don't know the numbers right because they're they're sarbanes oxy they don't declare them so it, it's just on on industry observations and, and taking some of the league table numbers um so it's yeah it's important to say that we're not we're not uh, reporting um facts on the numbers because we um they don't declare them they use sarbanes oxy to um to, to 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 not declare their numbers so it's it's speculation only but i think if you if you look at the us market both firms hadn't been um as i say growing they've been outgrown by some of their competitors true and it follows what uh, wbp has done with the advertising firms yeah. uh, last year as well so it's it's definitely as you were saying part of the simplification policy uh, overall and um, to come back uh, to the numbers if should we get into a bit of how it would uh, it would rearrange uh, perhaps a little bit the top 5 in india of yeah. course, the top five in India is, is uh, again, like you've said, uh, you know, these are not uh, purely verified figures because they are not published online uh, as such. And it is via league tables and industry sources. 
So of course, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know about it is in India, but some of them. So the so Edelman, for example, you can abs- they publish their numbers. So their global numbers, you can absolute. They you know they they publish those. So those are it's some of the the group owned firms, the so WPP, Omnicom. Um, they don't publish their numbers. So that it's a mixed picture on that. Uh, the largest firm in India is of course Ad Factors PR, which is uh, the. La- at the at the latest estimate, it's about which is also about uh, one or two years old. It's about fifty two million, and fifty uh, two million dollars. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, yeah. so yes, uh, fifty two million dollars, uh, which uh, which which to confirm is about two years old. This figures as per the league tables, okay. and um, now it seems that with Burson and H and K combined, uh, they would reach to about twenty twenty one million, around 120, 130 crores. Depending on, it's a range actually that we are uh, looking at, and uh, this would be uh, followed by M- MSL and Edelman, which and even which are roughly in the same, um, uh, a little bit in the same range uh, of hundred. Uh, uh, MSL and Edelman are in the same range of about hundred twenty crores or twenty million, and even uh, is about hundred five crores or seventeen point five. So, uh, so that's where we are at uh, with the, with the numbers. So it's quite interesting. So even post merger, it's on the face of it, as you say, there's speculation. But actually, the new Burson, um, it, MSL, Edelman, and Avian, they well, they're they're quite close in in their fee income actually. That's right. They are pretty close to to each other, and uh, and of course, still far behind ad factors. Which is, uh, if to give a little perspective, uh, they they uh, last year they stated that uh, just uh, their uh, one of their uh, financial verticals is BSFI vertical has crossed uh, 100 crores, so uh, which is close to about uh, 16 17 million. So that puts them uh, in the even just one vertical is as large as one of the agencies in the top five. So to give to give a little bit of uh, perspective on 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 the issue. So just talk to me about wage inflation because when I I was over at uh, Praxis was back in September was it um, a lot of talk about talent and um, the uh, the lack of available talent not the lack of a talent but the lack of available talent as a sort of growth limiting factor for agencies um, and clearly what that 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 demand for talent normally does is is push up. Uh, salaries is that is that a sense that you get over there? Yes, absolutely. Uh, demand uh, talent has become very very costly, and it's coupled with the fact that retainers uh, have not been rising uh, as much as they should have to keep pace with the rising cost in talent. Depending on what kind of agency you are and what kind of sector, this can range from some of the network agencies, as they call them, which are of course your international agencies with Indian arms. The wage inflation is about five to eight percent, and uh, sometimes even they they give no annual hikes at all. Sometimes it depends on what the international decision is on that. Whereas independent firms are of course more flexible in this uh, matter, and they can give hikes that range from ten to forty percent. So uh, depending on the size, the structure of the agency, it's it's a it's a very wide range from five to eight percent right up to. 40%, but what I think all agencies are united on that retainers are not uh, keeping in touch with, uh, they're not in, in in line with the kind of uh, wage inflation that is required to buy quality talent. And, uh, you know, we, we are- over here, I've been had a couple of conversations recently, this sort of, and I, I think it's a global trend, this, um, the idea of this, a retainer in name only, really, which is more about 
um, sort of in theory anyway, a guaranteed spend over a given time period. But normally that time period gets moved back a fair bit or, uh, you know, you you don't know exactly when the spend is going to come. And it just makes the talent management of the agency so much more difficult. It's not like it used to be where you could you knew what was coming in. You had this sort of as I say, retainer and name only that gets shifted around all over the place. And then if you've got a um, a, a retained talent base as, a, as an agency, the business model is more difficult to manage than perhaps it's ever been. That's absolutely right. And there are a lot of delays in, in, um, in approving a retainer. And it's all going through, of course, uh, the acquisition departments of late. It was not that distant from uh, from Copcom and marketing earlier. So it's taking right. a lot of time to, to approve uh, projects as well. And you're right, they prefer to take a project report, uh, a, pro- a project approach. And um, so we had an, a very nice article uh, by Sonali Sokal in PR Moment uh, magazine last month. And she said that even large brands uh, can uh, close retainers at around 300,000, uh, 500,000 a month, which is pretty low for a large national brand to yeah. do it at that rate, which means that, uh, like like you rightly pointed out, uh, to deal with the kind of multiple channels which are in India and the kind of effort it takes to roll out PR in India, it's definitely, uh, it takes, the bottom line takes a big hit. Yeah. And if those agencies aren't making profit, it, you know, it means they can't invest, doesn't it? I mean, another thing that um, strikes me is that, so over here, uh, I'll do it in dollars, um, but over here, the rough, you know, as a rule of thumb, it's a hundred, well, it's a hundred thousand pounds. So it's nice, easy math right over here. That's about $120,000 is the income per head of agencies. And, and I say again, that is a rule of thumb. So it goes up and down depending on how well the agency's doing or what sector they're in. So, you know, tech or consumers a little, can be a little bit lower than healthcare or corporate. But it, as a rule of thumb, um, an average is about £100,000, so about $125,000 um, per head of an eight, in terms of income to the agency. Um, and we were just playing around with some numbers before, weren't we? And I'm not going to mention the firms of these involved because but we're, the, we took the two firms where we're probably the most confident of their income um, and the number of employees they have. Um, and they were they were sort of coming in at around the 44 £40,000 as an average, $40,000 mark income per head. Um, so, I mean, listen, that is that is an interesting challenge, isn't it? So if you've got a huge country like India um, with um, so many people, a massive population, trying to, um, to cover that with such small budgets um, does bring its own challenges, especially in this time when um, the cost of talent is is um, increasing so rapidly. Absolutely. So what's what's happening is what what I've heard uh, the buzz is that what happens typically is then they hire fewer senior people, they get, let go of some of the senior people and hire mu- uh, more uh, younger people, uh, less experienced people, and then of course that's a spiral again into proving the worth of PR. So it all goes into that vicious cycle uh, then to manage the costs. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole podcast on itself there, isn't there? Um, about, you know, because clearly we're going through a period where PR's had a lot of success of broadening its offer into, into different channels. And, and that's what's seen the, well, that's put, what's put the sector in such, such rude health. Um, but yes, clearly it doesn't come without its challenges. Um, 
just think about uh, we started with a, a, a big piece of MA activity when we when we um opened the show but the where, where are we with MA in india um there's been a there's it's been a quieter year last year but there were some bigger there were still some big deals weren't there um but is that the trend over here anyway is, is around sort of micro deals and plugging in um, different sectors and different disciplines. I, I just wondered whether that was that was happening over there as well. Uh, since all the major network firms are now uh, present and a number of the big ticket acquisitions are over, this is a process that began with Genesis in the early 2000s. And now we are back again at full circle with the latest uh, BCW and HNK merger. In between, there's been Ketchum Sampark, AVNWE, MSL Hamner, Cone and Wolf Six Degrees, PR Pandit and Havas Red, Spagfin partners, just to name a few. So what now it, is, it will probably move to is, is niche uh, acquisitions, micro deals, as you called it, analyticals, uh, AI focused, sector specializations, health tech and consumer is a, always big in India, which is also behind the, the, the Hava Thread PR Pandit the merger is actually consumer PR led. So also maybe uh, acquiring a second brand by larger agencies. So yes, very much in the micro deal direction. Really, that that the sort of conflict brand trend is one you think that might um, might start appearing a bit more. True, true. Um, Although some of these are already there, but not as a trend. Right. Um, now the, the the growth of the Indian PR market is always. Uh, you know, as a Brit, you know, we get excited at, at anything more than 3% growth in pretty much everything. Um, but the clearly the Indian PR market has been growing uh, at a great deal more than that over a sustained period of time. Just, just give us, I know you touched on it before, but I just want to compare that to the Indian GDP growth currently um, and the population growth. So also interesting to just bear that in mind. So just, just give us a little insight into where we're at, where we are with that. So uh, India is, of course, uh, you know, the thing they talk about is that India is an aspirational economy. Uh, we have uh, the latest for, uh, forecast is that it will be 7.3% for 2023, 2024, bearing in mind that uh, the financial year is yet to close. And of course, COVID opened up opportunities for, for PR. The PR sector has been growing steadily in double digits. But of course, uh, as I mentioned before, pre-COVID, Rates have declined from 15% to 10% now. What's been interesting in the Indian PR market is that the South has really done well. And a 44% growth is, uh, you know, as compared to just 28 and 29% for North and West. This is a very interesting trend. And it also buys in into the larger trend that Bangalore is a startup and tech hub of India and startup, the startup ecosystem is very large in India. So that's really strong uh, growth. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, the the inflation, if you look at uh, uh, the uh, the inflation rate, it's 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 uh, it's the growth of the, the GDP growth is above uh, not only the inflation rate, but the, the population growth rate. But what has been worrying in the same forecast is also that that uh, uh, consumption expenditure has dropped. So which, of course, is another thing which which majorly uh, impacts the spending that people do. So they would be looking at the government has trying to focus on raising consumption expenditure as right. well. So, yeah. So, uh, so how does that compare Ben to the U S and UK market? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So the, um, what you said there that the, the GDP of about 7% in it growth in India versus the, the Indian PR market growth of about 10%. So in that sense, I guess the PR market is still growing, 
um, or outperforming the, the wider economy, which is uh, good to see. Um, how does that compare to the UK? And uh, well, I don't know about the. I mean, the UK is a different story because of, we've had so many. We've had a bit of a you know a run a run on on, on not such great news economically. Um, with Brexit and all the rest of it, um, but I mean, I think yeah, to be fair, cost of living crisis is is huge over here as it is in Europe, as it is in America, um, and clearly brands have uh, have tightened their their expenditure. Um, if I'm honest, all the things that you talked about around decisions taking a long time, um, fewer retainers, more project income, th- that chimes hugely with with the sorts of feedback you hear both over here and and in the US. Um, I would add that things are much better than you would think that they would be, bearing in mind we've got a, a significant war um, in, in Europe, in, in Ukraine, between Russia and Ukraine. Um, we've got, uh, well, and, and also the, the, you know, the terrible thing, the events of, that are happening in Israel and Gaza. Um, um, we've also got um, a, a cost of living crisis. So with all of those things happening, you would think that actually um, economically, um, things might be a little bit more difficult than they are. Actually, it's going okay. Um, from a, from an economic perspective, it's absolutely not the case that everyone's going around the place high-fiving each other. It's not anything like as good as it was in 2022, um, which was really, you know, that was a the, the, the Europe and the UK um, and the US came out, came out of COVID very, very strongly. Um, but it's okay. It's all right. Um, there's obviously if some buts around that, and I guess we'll talk about that now. Um, the different markets. I mean, if you if you run a B two B tech PR firm in in the UK um, or in Europe um, or in the or in the US last year, it was a difficult time, right? Um, if you're in healthcare or corporate, it was okay, it wasn't brilliant. And if you and and it was the same if you're in consumer or brand PR. So it does depend in what sector you're op- in, you're operating in, um, and obviously what people try and do is is operate across different sectors and different channels. Um, to, to manage that risk so that um, as one market that they're in might contract, the other expands. Yes, of course, I think over here, the biggest uh, impact has been on the startup sector because the fintech uh, sector is seeing a, a strong policy crackdown. So uh, so that's something they have to evolve very quickly now to evaluation led to revenue generation uh, PR. So I was just curious, uh, uh, how much do you think geopolitics, of course, here as well, uh, though we are supposed to be fairly insulated from geopolitics impact, uh, our energy bill has not been affected, for example. So, uh, but yet uh, I hear do hear from PR firms that um, that uh, in expenditure has, uh, since corporates have cracked down on expenditure rationalization, they are not spending as much on PR as they were in 2022. So I mean, I think I think that's right. Um, I mean, historically, of course, PR does okay in a recession. Um, you know, it's it's uh, compared to the marketing spend, it's obviously much much smaller. But that that spend tends to um, get retained for a bit longer um, compared to some of our, our advertising peers. Uh, and I think that trends probably continue during this this period. Um, as I say, geopolitics, geopolitics, it's uncertainty, isn't it? Whenever there is uncertainty in the world whether it's uh, economic or geopolitical, um, brands will um, uh, reduce their spend. And I think that's absolutely what's happening now. And of course, what we've got coming down the line, which is going to affect all of us, um, is possible, probable return of Trump um, and for all the, the, the next round of uncertainty that that will bring. Um, so that'll be, um, yeah, you, you, you get to sort of, you get used to this sort of, 
permo permo turmoil element, don't you, at all? But um, yeah. Yeah, that's actually uh, going to uh, 2024 is going to be like that. I think I was reading somewhere that about 40% of the world's population is going to go to the polls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a big, big number. We just had elections in our neighboring Pakistan and India, of course, mm. for it in May. So that's also going to be a major factor which will affect uh, PR firms. Uh, typically, PR does very well in election year because there's expenditure. A lot of expenditure happens on on PR strategies. Is, is that what you're forecasting? Is that you know, from the from the the, the CEOs of I, I imagine the larger firms um, are, are for focusing a bit of a, a, a bumper year in that in that respect? Yes, I wouldn't. I would hesitate to call it a bumper year, but yes, it should it should uh, it should boost uh, PR uh, revenues. Also, um, I just want to point out that pure play uh, political PR is not really been the forte of the Indian PR firms. Those are there's there are specific uh, you know, political managers who yeah. handle that kind of uh, stuff because of the very nature of Indi- the Indian political engagement system. So, uh, so, so, that a, so the brands brands don't tend to spend more during election year, do yes, they? Exactly, it's, it's the brands. It's not the parties, but yeah, it's yeah. the brands which would spend yeah. because, um, especially uh, with this kind of uh, government, which is has been seen as uh, as uh, as as market friendly. So therefore. They would like to get out ahead and not to forget that July is when the, the new the new government, the actual budget will be presented. So far, it's been an expenditure budget only. Right. So where if they want to make their policy pushes now, between now and July is the time to do it. Right. Yeah, that's been really interesting, uh, Parul. I shall, uh, in terms of going forward, I suppose, because uh, we'll, we're going to do this each month, aren't we? So I, I suppose what I, what I look forward to talking about next next month is hopefully, uh, and there's clearly no certainty in this, um, is that there, there are definite green shoots, um, both here um, and I think in the US economy, um, and I, I think in India as well. And it'll be interesting to come back in, a, in another month's time um, and, um, and see whether they have... Um, uh, progressed or, or regressed, I suppose, but, and we all hope they've obviously progressed. And um, um, the ec- economic uh, times that we live in seem to get a little easier. Yes, actually, the great Indian election, Tamasha, as it's called, uh, it definitely will provoke some uh, green shoots, hopefully. And it's also the financial year end in March. So, of course, uh, retainers would, would end up uh, being there for review, plus appraisals, you know, the big appraisal season would be on. So that's always uh, a period of uh, nerve-wracking tension for for talent. Uh, The younger talent, of course, seems to be a bit easier about it. I think uh, what we're seeing, and that's a story we can explore at some point, is the the senior talent. They are a little worried about the kind of evolution they need to do. Not the best of notes to end the podcast on, but that was really a very interesting conversation, uh, Ben. You've given it, you've given it uh, uh, me an idea, Pearl. We'll, we'll do a live appraisal. You can appraise me and I'll appraise you. We'll do it if it's appraisal season. That's what we do for the next show. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, uh, PR folks would love to see journalists being appraised. We can have Collins on that. I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So... Uh, so uh, you know, that was what, it's funny. I, that was maybe one of the, the reasons I left um, having a proper job and set up here moment all that time ago because I, I used to interview, sorry, appraise teams of about twenty people, and I just couldn't cope with it anymore. I just I found it so boring. But um, maybe that maybe do as you say. We'll talk about whether appraisals are a good or bad thing next time around, um, and I'm sure they are a good thing. But before anyone gets um, thinks I'm being too serious on that one, great to chat. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. That was the PR Moment India podcast. Back to you next month. Thank you, Ben.
That was the latest episode of the PR Moment India podcast. You can subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.